dangerously close. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now it just occurred to me, I've never written a will. And I just want to say, if I spontaneously combust after this episode, let my wishes be known. In the bio picture, based on my amazing life, I want to be played by Tom Hardy, that plays the character me, and I want William Mitchell Audio to do the audio because it's the best in the business. <laughs> Go to WilliamMitchellAudio.com. Was that all right, man? Yeah. I, get, I, don't, I don't write these beforehand. I just kind of shoot them off. The, all right. <clears throat> Moving on. My guest today is Coffee May. Coffee May is a photorealist painter, skateboarder, web developer, and art historian. So we're going to learn a lot today. It's going to be an educational podcast. What's up, Coffee? Hey, hey. Man, before we get super started, I do have to get in and say that uh, this has been an eventful day for me. And you're the first in-studio guest I've ever had. I thought it'd be fine because we're around each other all the time. But a meth head spit in my face today, so I'm, we're actually social distancing. I'm I'm actually standing. I'm not even sitting because there was no way to have us both sit and be that far away. <laughs> Can I tell the story? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I went to the dog park this morning around uh, 7.30 a.m. It was very beautiful. And I called my mom. I said, hey, mom. She lives near there. And I was like, come over, like, hang out, and we'll, you know, chill and watch my dog play and talk. Walking along, I hear a dog crying and whimpering and yeah it was terrible and yeah i saw this dude he was he was beating his dog behind a bush so obviously i went you know hey stop that blah 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 blah. this dude lost his fucking mind we're separated by a fence because he's outside the dog park came up and he's like you better watch out i'm gonna go get my homies and we're gonna come back and get you and i was like oh fuck because my mom's there, you know, and like, she's like, oh, no, Doug, they're going to shoot you. And I'm like, I don't think this guy's going to shoot me, but I'm going to call the park rangers anyway, because they live like the park rangers are literally across the street. And uh, <laughs> am I going on too much? Oh, no, anyway, no. So I call the park ranger. I'm like, hey, man, this guy's beating a dog. He said he's coming back to the dog park to come kill me or kick my ass or something. I don't know. Can you come over here? The dude uh, disappears with the dog, drags it off, comes back without it. Gets in my face, screaming, spits flying out of his mouth. And I'm like, fuck, I'm catching COVID from this dude. Uh, but we were being filmed by a lot of people. And also, this is an ongoing investigation because he is in a lot of trouble. So I don't know how much shit I should say on the podcast other than the fact that uh, he got in a lot of trouble for the spitting because it is COVID times. And that's why it's it's weird because it's uh, the first in-studio guest. And we have to socially distance because... A freaky, freaky meth head man spittled in my face this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and if you're in a public park beating anything behind a bush, it better not be a dog. And I have a strict don't call the cops policy in my life, but that's like kind of an exception right there. You know, animal abuse, absolutely. Call, absolutely. Call the cops, throw the book at them. I, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I hate to see animal abuse. Absolutely. I mean, honestly... And like I said, I shouldn't be saying too much. It's an ongoing investigation. We were on film. A lot of people were filming us. Everybody had their phones out when he was coming in telling me he was going to, you know, fucking kill me. You know, here's the funny thing about it. 
you know, it was pretty chilly in the morning here in Nashville. He had no shirt, no shoes, 8 a.m., and this dude was wide awake. And I was like, this man is tweaking on some meth. I don't know. He, but he thought he was Superman. <laughs> yeah, he's one of them early morning park wooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, I was like, this hippie is telling me he's going to beat my ass. And I was like, God damn, dude, I want to hit you so bad, but I can't. Because <laughs> you know that all they'd see is uh, on telephone, like on the phone videos would be like me just punching some like. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably like fall over and like pass out immediately too. <laughs> you know, like, who, like he, has, he hasn't eaten in like three days and I barely touch him and he <laughs> like falls down, hits his head. A little coke boogers falling out of his nose on the way down. To the so, ground. you know, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for uh, restraint. Not hitting the guy, even though he was beating a dog in front of me. It was, I mean, it was, it was literally atrocious. I absolutely cannot stand animal abuse. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad I did what I did. I'm not glad I got a bunch of meth man spit in my face. But also when the park ranger showed up, they were also pretty stoked on me too. Being like, hey man, you know, thanks for not fucking hitting him. You know, like, thanks for being a good boy. <laughs> leave the hitting up to us <laughs> and uh another big shout out to the internet uh so the cops like went after him they were like because you know the, they were like down they're like oh and like they started showing up like a lot so the yeah. uh, undercover showed up the park rangers were there then like metro showed up they were like they were like dude we we're like there's a dude beating a dog in a park then he tries to like fight a man scares the shit out of all the people you know, and my mom's there. Like, you know, also like I hate for my mom to see that side of me where I'm like, you know, I don't want yeah. I don't want her to see me beat up a fucking <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> but uh, good news is I filmed him uh, when he was screaming at me when he was on the other side of the fence before he came in and came in for the action, dude. So I just took a still from that, put that on the Internet. I said, hey, yo, who is this guy? And my people's. Shared the shit out of it within 30 minutes. Figured out who he was. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All right, man. But this is this is an educational podcast, man. This is not a share my grievances podcast. But I just I wanted to explain why uh, it's a little messed up. Me and coffee can't sit close to each other, man. Because <laughs> uh, for a lot of people that don't, that don't know, uh, up until this morning, coffee's been kind of in my little bit of a COVID pod where he's a person. I'm around, he's my neighbor. He lives right across the street. And uh, I would figure, you know, if you had COVID, I had COVID, you know. But now I'm like, oh, man, now I might have it. So, <laughs> all right, man, we're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about uh, photorealism painting. That's what uh, that's your your main forte. It's your main profession, I believe. But uh, you're, I'm obviously, you're a professional web developer. You're a lot of things, man. Uh, amazing skateboarder. People know your name to this day, you know, like even uh, now that we're getting older, we're in our 30s. But people know the name Coffee Man Skateboarding, especially around here. Oh, thanks, man. Hey, man. It's I'm just speaking the truth. Before we get into it, though, man, there are some current events, and I'd like to get some of your opinions on some things. Absolutely, sure. And people are sick of the election, and if you want to like get a political podcast, you would go to that and not this one. But I just got a couple things I want to talk about. It's not the election per se. It's just things that I think are uh, that aren't being spoken about. And uh, are you familiar with uh, Run the Jewels? Yeah. <laughs> LP, Killer Mike, and they're outspoken. They're very outspoken, uh, very like anti-conservative uh, dudes. And I was like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and so are you. And I was like, you know, what if we were producers and we, uh, you know, what about this? What if we took some of these rappers 
that joined the Trump train and made a super group out of them. So I thought, what if we took Lil Pump and Kid Rock and made a group out of them? And then I was like, but what would we call them? <laughs> I got some ideas. You don't got any ideas? I'd like to hear yours first. Uh, Lil FEMA Camp, uh, Lil Proud Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Lil Proud Boys. <laughs> Lil Proud Boys, I think, is my fave. But I don't know, man. I want to hear what you do. They're here to hear you, man, not the, me. The 0.5 percenters. <laughs> <laughs> The ball, the ball, the bang, and dang, 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 little pump. Man, hey, you remember uh, what was that? Was that the Sugar Hill Gang that he stole that from? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, Not the ball with the ball part, but the part where he goes like. And up jumped the boogie. Like. Uh, you know, it could be. I'm so bad at like pop music stuff. Like I. I hear songs and I'm like, is that the Beatles? And people are like, no, dude, that's Led Zeppelin. And like, I'm that bad. You know what I mean? It happens to the best of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. If you want to move away from the Kid Rock Little Pump thing, man, I mean, I can produce them by myself. Uh, actually, that that reminded me of a, a time at Nashville when I used to work there at the counter and a guy came in and he was like, I have I have this big order and this one sandwich needs to be made specifically because it's for Don Henley of the Eagles. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And it was, it was like no onions, some shit like that. Anyway, put the whole thing together. I'm like giving him a go order and I open up the box so he can inspect the sandwich to make sure that it's right. And he's like, mm -hmm, OK, yes, bread on the sandwich. That's right. And, blah, blah, blah. and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, because this is for Don Henley of the Eagles. You know who Don Henley of the Eagles is, right? And I was like, ah, man, I'm not really into sports. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think would be a, what's kind of a funny thing about that? Too, like, I kind of understand being uh, like maybe a rock star that's like out of touch. And you're like, I get anything I want. I'm Don Henley of the Eagles. I wrote Hotel California. <laughs> but like, <laughs> But being like the dude that's like Don Henley's bitch that goes and picks up his bagels for him. <laughs> And like and like, just dropping his name constantly, trying to get respect. That's a weird thing to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe like maybe if he gets the sandwich wrong, like Don Henley's really not cool about it, and he makes the rest of the tour or whatever they're doing suck. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't get a sandwich today because you got mine wrong. You know, I'm gonna start doing so. Like, there's like a lot of restaurants I do go to, like that just always get my order wrong, and like I'm not mad about it, but like. It happens. I should start always going in there and like just claiming that it's for Don Henley of the Beatles. <laughs> Don Henley of the Beatles. <laughs> this is for Don Henley of the Beatles. So get my order right, fool. Start telling people like I'm one of Rihanna's backup dancers' ex-boyfriends. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> oh shit! Oh hey, uh, <laughs> this is supposed to be. Moving on. <laughs> hey, man, but all right, man, just let me cut what you got to cut. Hey, I ain't going to cut nothing, man. People came here to hear you and get educated about photorealism painting. But before we go on to that, I got one one more thing to talk about the election, just because you made me cry laughing with a meme I never even saw. And I think everyone has seen amazing memes. Everyone's got their uh, opinion of like best memes from the election, best memes, from, especially from like the uh, – the part where like the counting wasn't happening, you know, and they were like, so I don't know. How about this? Like, uh, what do you think were some of the best memes from the election? I got some personal oh, ones, man, off the top of my head. I don't know. It's like, I almost want to drag out my meme library. 
I mean, I don't know, I'm a software developer, so definitely when they had the Internet Explorer logo take place of the state of Nevada, I totally love that because, I mean, you don't even have to be a techie to know that Internet Explorer is pretty archaic at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some more poignant ones. I know Parlor is a big thing amongst the uh, MAGAs that are getting scattered to the wind at the moment, and I, I did a Photoshop of their logo and flipped the letters around and made it just say LARPer, and I thought that was pretty appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, they're LARPing G.I. Joe out here, homie. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite, like, I think Nevada had like the ones that really nailed it as the best, and one of them was uh, for certain uh, that I saw was uh, the they were like this is the uh, the election counting people in Nevada and it was just a picture of a dude at a slot machine trying to smoke a cigarette with his mask on because you have to wear masks in the casino <laughs> <laughs> and he kept trying to find ways to like stick his cigarette through his mask and like be able to puff it that was a good one <laughs> uh, hands down uh, Blue's Clues though oh yeah well that wasn't even that wasn't even just a meme that was like a little video meme kind of thing or I don't know what do they call them vines. I'm I'm a fucking boomer at this point. Uh, no, it was like it was like every time the people counting votes in Nevada get a new ballot in, and then it cuts to like a Blues Clues video of the Blues Clues dude, and it's some kid song that's like, "We just got a letter, we just got a letter, we just got a letter in the mail." <laughs> and that was like every single time they got a mail-in ballot, they had to sing the Blues Clues song, and that's mm-hmm. why Nevada was like. A decade behind everyone else just counting the shit. Hey, but, you know, shout out Nevada for finally coming through in the clinch. Well, and also I I think that uh, the First Nations people are actually one of the big reasons that Nevada came through this time. So shout out to the real Americans. Absolutely. Hell yeah. And also big shout out uh, Philly and big shout out Gritty. Yeah. The best mascot, best sports mascot in the world, Gritty. Uh, You know, honestly, I don't really – I don't follow hockey that much, you know, but you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of predators games here. Uh, I like hockey. It's, it's cool, but like not to the point where I even knew that gritty was the, uh, Philadelphia's mascot. And until you were like, yo, their mascot is basically like, <laughs> it's a critter that pushes people. And that's his identity. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like playful violence is like gritty's vibe. Yeah. And well, he's also been co-opted by, you know, disparate Antifa identifying groups for years now. So you got to love Gritty. <laughs> yeah, and I'd love the hell out of all the people that uh, went to the trouble to take uh, Gritty and put him back in like all these like like American Revolution uh, paintings. And <laughs> Well, now there's a Gritty Spears, too, which is like a female Gritty that I think has been making appearances in the UK. <laughs> Dope. Oh, hey, shout out uh, UK listeners because uh, apparently people like this overseas a little bit more now hey, hey. it's been growing a little bit hey, and also shout out australia so you guys you guys finally give a shit about me <laughs> <laughs> all right man uh i was gonna talk a little bit about uh some of the comedians out here uh because you know dave Chappelle came out and just killed it on uh the day they they did the um the final count and they're like all right we Largest got just snl viewership in like i think over a decade or something like that uh, but I guess I'm a, I was going to make a question, but I couldn't – I honestly didn't know the answer to the, like, uh, thing, which is, like, who is the anti-Dave Chappelle? Like, who who is on the the opposite end of his spectrum that would be, like – Gallagher? <laughs> I don't think Gallagher has an opinion. Or the dude, or the dude with all the puppets, the crappy puppet oh, guy. Oh, that's the dude, the puppet guy. Yeah, who's got, like, the – 
Osama bin Laden puppet that's a skeleton or something. Yeah, it's like real dark. It's like a it's a dead terrorist, and it yeah. and it speaks in a like a really fucking offensive uh, accent. Yeah, fuck that guy. What the fuck is that guy's name? I don't know. I hope he gets relegated to being forgotten. <laughs> yeah, fucking. I'm sure people people listening to this are like, it's fucking. <laughs> Billy Bob fuckface and I'm like nah I love Billy Bob fuckface and shit <laughs> hey come on puppets are funny <laughs> <laughs> I know right, we man. just like loved on Gritty and then we're like fuck the puppet guy <laughs> no but for real fuck the puppet guy yeah no no doubt uh, alright man let's get into photorealism painting it's what you do it's amazing it's very hard it takes takes years takes a lot of dedication and that's what a lot of people know you for uh I have a question. I'm going to add a little caveat to it before I complete the question, but I was going to ask you, like, what is your favorite painting you've ever worked on or completed or even haven't completed, but, you know, ever, like, worked on? And before I let you answer that, I want to know if it's possibly the painting that I'm kind of in that you did of the uh, San Francisco landscape where I'm skateboarding. Uh, You can barely see me in it, but I know I'm in that painting. Or is it the uh, right here that all my guests see? The so this? Are you telling me that it has to be between these two? <laughs> no, I just want to say, how about this? What is your favorite of these two? <laughs> all all my guests that come on this podcast, I make sure the camera sees the painting that sits behind me. It's a panda. It's a, it's the only painting I've ever commissioned. It's a panda holding dildo nunchucks in front of a ocean and I guess like a – what is that, a planet? It's like a planet with a crooked <laughs> ring around it. A crooked, sparkly ring. All right, which one do you like better, man? The San Francisco painting or the, the dildo panda? Oh, man, I don't know. It's a, that's a thing. It's like every painting you get something different out of. So it really depends, you know. Like there's some paintings that like I had huge breakthroughs with that I, you know, appreciate for that. And I, I don't really think I could ever quantify one over another. I guess like in sheer amount of work i've put into one yeah i've got a few that i've just put so many hours into that like if my house was burning down i might run out of the house with before some others but yeah it's it's kind of hard to quantify i guess but yeah dildo nunchuck panda is pretty dope (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think you would do it because obviously i can't afford you and i can't afford to like pay you to do anything uh but i was just like hey man i want to commission a painting but you know i don't got no money (laughs) you were like I got you, bro. And you're like, what do you want? And I was like, well, it needs to be a panda. It needs nunchucks, but the nunchucks need to have dildos on the end of the chains. And you're like, okay. And I never thought it would ever come to fruition. But like two days later, <laughs> right at my house, there it was. <laughs> it's been on the wall ever since. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't follow any kind of strict realism rules for this one. It was more of a playful painting. Yeah, it's definitely not a it's not photorealistic. <laughs> You're not like, how did you get the panda to do that? Well, you can clearly tell it is a panda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh the most common reaction I get to this painting is people uh come to my to my home and they look at it and they go, "Are those dildos?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh you don't want to. You don't want to give a shout out to like any other of your uh, of your work, man, because people are gonna be able to check this out later on. Oh, uh, I mean, it, like particular pieces. I don't know. Um, I had a whole lot of fun painting one that's just a painting of a cheeseburger, um, and then I've got a really more intricate one that is probably a little more like surrealist, and it's called the Harem of Saturn. And that one is probably you know one that I've put the most work into, or the Chinatown Bangkok painting. Um, that was kind of like a like a big moment in my painting and also just a big 
painting in general that took a lot of time? Because I think, uh, it, like, and I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I've known you for a long time and I've seen your work. But I, like, I guess sometimes part of your process is is you do actual photography first and then you translate that into is, uh, do you use oil paint typically? Uh, I do both. I typically paint in oil, but I have done, you know, sometimes I incorporate airbrush, sometimes I do acrylic. Um, but yeah, mostly strictly oil. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, where I was going with that is that you have the ability to I uh, man, I don't want to use the word mashup, but I, that is kind of what thing a thing you can do is like you can take your own photography and then you can like create uh, an image that could never have been a photograph. That's one of the cool the one, one yeah. of the magic tricks you can do is you can you can make a thing that looks like a photograph, um, but it's uh, it's all from the imagination essentially. Right? Well, one of the things um, so photorealism was a reaction to um, abstract expressionism which kind of explains itself. It's it's kind of like the Jackson Pollock school of art, you know, and that was important. It had its time and place, you know, splatter paint paintings, paintings that don't depict actual things. It's abstraction, you know, and it's expressive. So the artist kind of just goes with their feelings about it. it Photorealism is kind of an antithesis to that. And uh, it also coincided with the pop art movement, which was about mass production of goods. It was about consumerism. So photorealism kind of wanted to give the polish of something that was highly manufactured and highly produced, but still had like the work of an artist in it that took like hours and hours and hours and hours. And it kind of was a marriage and a reaction to both of those coinciding art movements. Um, and it's always definitely pushing the, the boundaries of traditional realism. One thing about photorealism that makes it unique is that you can have a field of focus unlike the human eye can see. So everything in the image plane can be in focus and your eye just doesn't see like that. It's largely about understanding how the human eye works. <clears throat> There's an interesting thing uh, that happens occasionally. Uh, I've been around you and I've been around a sunset at the same time. And uh, you've got some interesting ideas like uh, things that like typically – and also I don't even understand. Like I, I don't even understand what you're saying. But hopefully – my listeners are a little bit smarter than me, and they'll get it because uh, you'll look at the sky and you'll be like, "Oh, that's a whatever on the color spectrum." You'll you'll explain to me uh, why the sky is a certain color, why the clouds are a color, or or, or the entire like uh, the whole vibe. Because you know, like certain sunsets and certain sunrises will cast a, a look like that yeah. whole people like the golden hour. Like you know, the best time to take a photograph of yourself at the beach is at sunset. Uh, what, yeah, what is that, man? Like, I, I, honestly, I really don't know, and I really don't understand. <clears throat> I mean, I guess it's just from years of trying to accurately mix colors to match the way a thing looks in real life. You start understanding that you know you look at something that's red, but a lot of times it has a good amount of blue in it. You know, I feel like I sounded like Obama when I said that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of blue in it. Um, so yeah, mixing colors for years. Yeah, you start to get a, a feel for. Uh, like how you would mix that color and there's also things like optical mixing which is where uh you get this a lot in airbrush paintings where you have you know two colors that are lightly dusted over one another and they give kind of a depth to the color that you couldn't mix by just mixing two colors together and making one new color yeah um or the same way you know a dot matrix printing works where you know you can make new colors out of just dots of other colors i would say like uh most famously would be the uh, the Ziploc bag ad campaign of like 
the 90s of the yellow and blue make green seal. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how you know your sandwich is fresh because it's like if the if the Ziploc bag is green, then you know it's closed tight. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because <laughs> because like one side is yellow, one side's blue, right? And you slide it, and well, then they're green. There's actually a great color theory book called "Yellow and Blue Don't Make Green," um, and it talks about like light wavelengths and how that's actually the absence of those two other colors, um, and also about how every color is typically contaminated with other colors. There's another really cool thing back to the sky and looking at the sunset and stuff. Uh, simultaneous contrast. Uh, is a really cool effect. If you can start to understand it and incorporate it into your paintings, if you are a painter, it's really helpful. Uh, Maxfield Parrish was really big on it. Uh, but it, it is kind of an optical effect, and it's called simultaneous contrast. It's totally worth looking up. All right. You heard it here first. Ziploc, you don't know <laughs> shit about color spectrum, fools. <laughs> Hold up. It's time for an ad. Are you and your family being possessed by demons? But you aren't even religious? Where are you going to turn? Well, guess what? I have the answer for you. Doug and Coffee, Secular Exorcists. But don't just take my word for it. Check out one of our recent exorcisms. Get out of there, girls. Right, is it is it the de- the demon Sultan Azizov? You get out of there, scamper! She's splash you with this city tap water. You get out. Go back to where you came from. He's gonna splash you with water. You get out of here. There's a separation of church and state, and there's about to be a separation from you and her. Get out of there, demon. Is this Baphomet? You better go, Baphomet. Yeah, go back to wherever you came from. Hi. And you cured. Oh. I feel so much better now. Thank you so much, sir. Another exorcism. Well done. Go to myviewsofmyown.com to book an appointment with Doug and Coffee, Secular Exorcists. 1-800-588-SECULAR-EXORCISMS. And now back to the interview. Man, it would be nice if I could sit, but <clears throat> since I'm a hero, I got a meth man spit in my face. It's tough being a hero sometimes, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get back to like, you know, you and not me being such a hero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Getting in like so. I mean, you said a lot of cool stuff, but like uh, some art history stuff. But like, I want to sp- like speak more about like things that like uh, affected you or artists that inspired you. Like these are like artists that you think are uh, super dope. People should check out, and also like they got that flame lit under you to be, you know, who you are now, like to be as good as you are now. Sure. Yeah. So um, like, I, I guess, uh, uh, favorite, favorite artists or not favorite, but you know, favorites, the wrong word influential. And why, I guess I would say contemporary wise, uh, or contemporarily, um, Don Eddy. He's an artist who lives in New York city, photorealist painter uses mostly airbrush, um, and uses some of those techniques I was talking about earlier. That dude's paintings blow my mind. Uh, it's almost a machine-like precision and attention to detail in his paintings. So he's one of my favorites that I, I, I go back to, you know, try to reverse engineer his process constantly. Um, there's also another guy, I think he's uh, Korean, Young Sung Kim. Uh, he's kind of pushing the boundaries with some hyper-realist stuff that's really neat, and he does these close-up paintings of uh it, he does like snails on uh 
like in glass bowls and like goldfish and really just really cool reflective objects that usually have like a small animal with them. Um, so those are two people that are working right now that I, I totally kind of, kind of follow and, and look at. Does, uh, does, uh, Chuck Close, does he count as a photorealist or? <clears throat> uh, he was one of the original photorealists. Um, and he has some kind of condition. I forget what it is that's made his hand unsteady over the years. And he still, he still makes these, uh, photorealist paintings that, that also have this expressive quality too, because he's learned how to kind of marry, marry a, um, technical process with an expressive like application of paint. So that's his stuff is still really interesting, but yeah, he's an, he's an OG. I mean, I also would put on say like if anybody gets a chance to see a Chuck close in person, it's amazing. Uh, the first time I ever saw one, uh, so I used to live in Washington DC when I was 21. It was the first time I ever saw one cause they had it at the, um, oh, man, what's that museum? The Frist? No, in Washington, D.C. Oh, in D.C. I don't, I've seen a couple of closest stuff. I saw some of his stuff in Chicago and um, also here in Nashville. Uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. Oh, man, I can't remember. I, I really wish I could remember. That. It's a, it's, there's a bunch of them in Washington, D.C. They're like, anyway. <laughs> like uh, That's like a museum city I've heard, too, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, literally, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. I would Google it, but that's one of my things about this podcast is I don't start Googling shit in the middle of it. I'm waiting until, like, later on in this uh You need, shit. like, a, a dude who's off to the side that looks up media for yeah, you. Yeah, that's the goal, dude. Eventually, <laughs> I'm going to have some fucking dude over there. I'm going to go, hey, man, what's that shit in D.C. called where I saw Chuck Close? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it was amazing. So I, I walked in uh, the building, and it's a huge painting. And I don't know for a fact, like, what the dimensions were, but it's very, very large. Like, uh, potentially, like, 10 feet uh, yeah. by maybe 10 by 10, possibly. And it looks like a giant photograph of a face. And the way you walk in, you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But you can go, you can walk all the way up to it, and you realize he did it with pointillism. Yep. It's all tiny. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a painting. It's like a bunch of d- tiny little dots. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, he uses grids. Yeah, that's insane, man. Yo, anyway, big shout-out, Chuck Close, if you guys want to see some, like, amazing stuff. But also big shout-out, if you get a chance to go see him in, in a museum, blow your fucking mind. Someone can yeah. do that. Well, I mean, it, it is kind of in the tradition of just realism, realist painting in general. Painting started as a way for the affluent and wealthy to record their legacies. And then, you know, the camera was invented and everybody could afford to take photographs and painting kind of became secondary. But it also became available for just anybody to do it for any reason. And that's why you started getting abstract painting. That's why people started being able to to really push the boundaries in ways that, you know, before the advent of the camera, they had been able to. And I, you know, I mean, uh, I want to talk about one particular project that you worked on that I got to be, uh, a little bit of a part of, cause I got to help you, uh, I wasn't there for a lot of the process cause you worked with models and it was mostly done, but there was one, uh, particular scene that had not been finished and you needed my help just that particular day to come, uh, just be the photographer for that. And that's because you were hired by the Catholic church <clears throat> to paint the stations of the cross. And, uh, it's, I think it's probably one of the biggest projects you worked on is it was a big deal. <clears throat> and I was there for the ceremony, uh, when they had, uh, Catholic priests went around to all your paintings and they had like a, they would like swing these metal 
little uh, like smoky urns and stuff. Yeah, little urns, and they would they would like I guess it had sage or yeah or fucking is it sage? Yeah, I mean they were trying to cast out the spells. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get get your shit out of there, and they'd be like, no, this is for God now. But I mean, c- come on, is a is an oil painter putting the Catholic Church on a resume is just kind of still a good look, even if you don't agree with all their scandals. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and and you did kill it, and you gave a speech, man. It was a it was a moving speech. I was I was, and I don't go to church often, man. I go like uh, you know for shit like funerals and weddings, and that's kind of like when I go to churches. But I went spe- specifically for uh, the unveiling of your Stations of the Cross. What is that like? Twelve? Are there twelve paintings to make 14. that? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Uh, man. Real quick for like a lot of my listeners that aren't Catholic or whatever, can you even tell like tell us what what does that even mean? What does Stations it's, of the Cross? Mean? I mean, basically, if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, it's that it's the final day of Jesus. So you know, it's from like the moment he's condemned to his you know death and ascension, um, <clears throat> and in between that, he drops the cross a few times. He wipes his face with a cloth, and his image stays on the cloth. Um, yeah, it's it's just the whole ordeal of his final hours, basically. And it's and it takes fourteen paintings to uh, represent that. Yeah. Yep. And it it started out as like I think like a kind of like a relic pilgrimage kind of thing. Like they kind of turn it into like you reenact it on that day. You know, it, it became part of the ritual, um, part of the ritual of the canon, I guess. And um, I've always known you as someone who's uh, very educated and uh, I don't want to say surprisingly, but also very educated about uh, religion in general, but uh, a lot about uh, Christian religion and Catholic religion, but also, you you know, a lot about um, a lot more about pretty much all religions more than I know about. Uh, But yeah, let's get off the (laughs) the religious shit. (laughs) I I do, I do want to ask you this, man, and we'll just we'll get past this real quick. But I do want to talk about the process and uh, like because you had to hire models, all that. Can you like, I mean, just real quick, just shoot us the story because it's a cool story and I want to hear it. Oh yeah, I mean, I (laughs) I work from photographs, so I needed photographs to work from, and you can't just you know drive around in your neighborhood and see people dressed like they're from Jesus's time, dragging crosses around and doing the whole thing. So I've made costumes and I recruited a handful of people and set up a photo shoot and took a ton of pictures in Centennial Park. <laughs> uh, the funny thing, the, the part that I was a part of is that uh, you were missing like a gesture or something you really needed and you had to go back and you're like, I need this photograph to complete this project and this painting and you're like, come shoot this photo. And so we had to go to Centennial Park and you were dressed as Jesus because because <laughs> you were like, like, I'm just going to do this pose just so I can get like, I guess the hands right. Or maybe I don't know what you were missing, but you were it was missing from your photo collection. And so we're in Centennial Park and there's people everywhere and you're dressed <laughs> like Jesus uh, in this. And for people that don't have never been to Centennial Park, that's where I was today when that dude uh, spit in my face, man. <laughs> that's man. Full circle, dude. <clears throat> Centennial Park is like it's it's one of the best city parks, uh, it, especially you know in Nashville. It's amazing, uh, but you were in this like area that has a little kind of cave look, so we could get that shot. Yeah, and everybody's like, "What the fuck are these dudes doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you ever go into that little cave nook there in the park, it is gross. It is the unofficial outdoor bathroom of Centennial Park. So to lay down in it dressed as Jesus, you know, I, I really felt like I was making a big sacrifice. I mean, you were wearing a wig and I mean, because you don't have like, you don't have long hair. <laughs> All right. All this speaking about Christianity, spirituality, and whatnot has got me thinking about the afterlife. What about you, homie? I mean, yeah, it's it's always. Well, as a lot of people don't know, you and I happen to be uh, extremely skilled in the arts of conjuring the dead. That's right. Uh, Would you like to do a seance with me? Sure. Uh, is there any celebrity in particular you'd like to raise? Doesn't matter. We can just I can just pull out the Ouija board. We'll pull up anybody. I mean, I, I I don't know. We could shoot for Dick Cheney. Yeah, let's get Dick Cheney on the line. All right, let me get the uh, the Ouija board out. <clears throat> uh, we can't get close together, so just you know, let me handle this. All right. <clears throat> oh, Ouija, 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 Ouija. Give me a ghost. Give me a ghost. You little Ouija board. I love you. Give me a ghost. Give me a ghost. Hello. Oh, shit. A fucking ghost. Hi. I'm Dick Baney. Wait a second. Aren't you Bane from the Batman movies? No. (laughs) Oh, man. That went to shit real quick. (laughs) All right. Moving on. (laughs) Ouija board didn't work. All it did was uh, get a... (laughs) <laughs> Dick Bainey. <laughs> Let's keep talking. <laughs> All right, man. You're a web developer. You got a lot of ideas. You do a lot of shit, man. Tell me, uh, what are the best app ideas you ever had? What's in the works, man? Man, just I've thought a lot about making dating apps just because I, I, years ago I, I used them and they sucked, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of money money to be made there. Yeah, so, well, I mean, you know, come on, man. What's your what's your pitch, dude? Elevator, right now. Dude, a lot of sharks are listening to this, man. Oh, I, man. This I, is the favorite podcast of the Shark Tank. I thought, like, having some kind of discounts for places you went. So, like, it would incentivize you. Be like, you know, if you meet up or you link up with somebody and then you guys go on a date, if you go to these places, you get 50% off. That kind of thing, you know? That's actually a good idea. Right. Damn, I should have come. Uh, what's my app idea? What's my uh, app idea? Copyright 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that just got stolen by somebody at Dude, Microsoft. Yeah, I'm not the first person who had that idea, but. Well, it doesn't matter. They're going to put microchips in us anyways when we get our vaccine. Yeah, 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 sure are. <laughs> All right, man, this went off the rails like a motherfucker. So I'm going to bring it back by going into skateboarding, something we both know a lot about. And uh, I don't know. Let's just ask you this, man. Like, uh, what is you like? What, what to you is skateboarding? Like, what's your, like philosophy, life? What, why? Oh yeah. man! Because um, for me, skateboarding is like even at, you know, like in my thirties, and I'm like getting like hurt, and I'm a little bit quarantine thick. I ain't gonna lie, but you know, I'm not giving up on the fact that like skateboarding is uh, it's a piece of me I can never ever let it go. And I follow uh, pros to this day, and I still uh, check back on pros from back in the day. So, like, what is it for you? Oh, man, it's so many things. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like 
when I was an eight year old, what I thought Kung Fu was. And then I grew up and I was like, man, that's not what Kung Fu is. It's kind of, you, you kind of get to be like a samurai or a ninja, you know, do these ninja kicks and you look cool. And it's, it's like an art because you can be inventive with it and imagine imaginative with it. You can look at a spot and skate it in a way that nobody, nobody else would think about doing. Uh, I've always loved that aspect of it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's kind of an individual, like improve yourself kind of thing. You know, it's you, it's like, you know, a man in a skateboard kind of thing. Absolutely, man. And, you know, like, I think uh, bringing it back to the park this morning, <laughs> I had a I had a really great experience with some cops today because, you know, like some fucking dude was beating his dog and he was a piece of shit. He spit in my face, probably gave me COVID. Who knows what happened? But, you know, the cops showed up and they were real cool to me. You know, part of it, you know, I'm a grown ass man and that dude was a piece of shit. <clears throat> but I have not always had uh, great relations with law enforcement and most of that has been from skateboarding uh, and i don't know if you, if you recall uh when we were we were kids man and i think so i'm a little little bit older than you so you might have been 14 or 15 i might have been like 16 something like that and uh i tried to so they they kind of surrounded you and art and kind of blocked you in with a uh, blocked you in and i tried to run and this fucking Vanderbilt cop pulled a gun on me, dude. And he called me motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He said, yeah, he went, freeze, motherfucker. And I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah. I'm a kid. I'm skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why I brought that up. Hey, you got any good ass skateboarding stories? I mean, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't just going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was the best trick you ever did. Oh man, I don't know. What's your favorite trick you ever did? Helicopter on the pyramid at the park felt pretty good. That was hot, man. I fucking filmed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I ollied a thirteen stair once. That felt pretty badass. I guess going back in time too, like uh, who were some of the most like influential skateboarders? Like before we talk about like skateboarders today and the evolution because things have changed. Uh, let's let's shout out the people from. Like the when we were kids, and they were like the, the skateboarding gods. I mean, Muska, Chad Muska. Everybody loved Chad Muska. Everybody on the Shorties team from back in the day, they were all ill. Um, Pat Chinita was sick. Uh, Peter Smolik, Steve Olson, all those dudes. Uh, I don't know. There's some crazy ass people these days, man. Uh, We've had some. Uh, <laughs> We've got some pretty good uh, like uh, interactions with some of the pros and shit. And like uh, one is uh, the first uh, trip I ever took uh, without parents, and that was with you. We uh, we got Greyhound bus tickets, and we rolled down to Tampa, Florida, for the Tampa Pro Skate Contest. And for people who don't know, uh, so like the X Games is like you know obviously huge is on TV, but uh, the Tampa Pro Skate Contest uh, is the largest skateboard contest. That's not sponsored by ESPN. Like it's, yeah. but it's huge, and everyone's there. Like it's, it's that important. It's not like, oh, just because ESPN isn't sponsoring this. So if you go there, everyone is there, and we had some. Uh, and also, uh, a funny thing that happened is, <clears throat> it was funny because we were like some poor ass kids, and we showed up, but we were the only people that brought girls with us, and they weren't our like our girlfriends or anything. They were just girls that came with us, and so our hotel room was the fucking spot. Because it was the biggest sausage party I've ever seen in a hotel. 
<laughs> well, I had a girlfriend. One of them was my girlfriend. Oh, point. shit. You had a girlfriend. All right. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy, man. That was buck wild. It was basically like 50 hotel rooms filled with like teenage skater boys. Yeah. Like really, that's really what it was. No, it, <clears throat> they had special rules for that time of year when that event happened. I think some hotels around there were like, "Nah, if you're here for this, you can't stay here." Yeah, shout out La Quinta Inn for letting us do what we did. It was awesome. <laughs> oh uh, man, who was that pro? Uh, Ardo, sorry. No, it was uh, maybe Danny Garcia. Like, I uh, the vending machine was broken and oh, it stole yeah. my money, and then I was like, "Fuck!" and I was kicking it, and then. Uh, Man, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't shout this guy out because he's famous and shit. Anyway, this uh, famous pro showed up, and he's like, yo, did it steal your money too? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, fuck this vending machine. And he started shaking it, kicking it. <laughs> and it was insane, man. Like, It's literally like once a year on in Tampa, it's like descended upon by all the pros and a million other skaters, and it's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it's super fucking awesome. Yeah, I think, what was it, Chris Cole won that year? Yeah, that was the year that Chris Cole. Uh, yeah, he won. He won the year, and he was real young too. And then there was that that uh, Brazilian dude, because like Brazilians have like steadily gotten fucking more and more. Fabrizio like, Santos, man. Yeah, he did like giant frontside flips and one footed crooked grinds. He won a uh, best trick for I guess uh, frontside flip over the entire pyramid. Something yeah. Like that. Uh, I remember uh, the cops did show up at our hotel, uh, and it was it was okay though because they were like they were looking for Tony Hawk. And they were like, they came out, I, I think they had a megaphone, because we were on the second floor. And I was like, oh shit, this is going to be trouble, dude. There's so much underage drinking and crazy shit. Yeah. And the cop goes, hey, is Tony Hawk in this hotel? <laughs> and we were like, no, man, uh, not this one. And dude. he was like, and they just drove off, because they were just looking for Tony Hawk. To- man, and it's Florida, too. Like, like drunk 14-year-olds is like every day down there, I feel like. <laughs> Something in the water or something. <clears throat> Yo, shout out Tampa, Florida. Uh, you know, I don't I don't go there often, but I've been there quite a few times for the Tampa Pro Skate Contest. And even if you don't skate, man, that's a fun, fun-ass party. Yeah, I do remember, though, taking the Greyhound back and getting stranded in the Greyhound bus station in, like, unseasonably freezing rain in Ocala, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no shout-outs to Greyhound for being... A terrible form of transportation. Yeah, it took like it took like thirty eight hours to get to Tampa from Nashville. I think uh, Greyhound might be popular for some reasons. Like, for instance, it's easy to bring a gun on a Greyhound bus. They don't. Like, yeah. you don't have to go through a security. Yeah, it's it's great for traveling with firearms. I bet. Yeah. So uh, shout out Greyhound for being a great way to travel with firearms. <laughs> I do want to talk about this real quick. And that's the evolution of skateboarding. So we were just talking about like good old days, Chad Muska, the whole shorties team. But there's an evolution going on. Like it's insane. Like nowadays, like if you if you skate like um, if you skate as good as the best pro in 1998, you are probably lucky to be an am now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you look at baseball and like. Babe Ruth, you could be like a fat <laughs> tobacco chewing like guy who should just be working in a car garage somewhere. How dare you say that about Babe Ruth? <laughs> and nowadays, can you even name one professional baseball player? Uh, that's like still playing baseball. I can't. I don't think. 
Oh, wait. Oh, there was that one guy. Well, I know, like, I know A-Rod, but, like, I don't think he's still yeah, playing baseball. Yeah, he was a He was the baseball man for a minute. I can name the ones that were, like, around. Like, I can name, like. Uh, Michael Jordan. Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> uh the ones that uh, also uh because they did that fucking uh, nolan that ryan lonely Atlanta joked on, joked on them and uh jose canseco and uh, uh the other one <laughs> what uh, mark nolan ryan <laughs> nolan ryan dude we're fucking dude we're some sports fanatics yeah dude. we just named like a handful yeah those people like listen to this being like these fucking assholes i love baseball hey <laughs> I got no problem with baseball. I just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We're going into the lightning round. This is going to be a very, very interesting one. It's going to be a little bit different than almost any lightning round ever. Because before this podcast, you actually gave me some notes on some things you wanted to talk about. Absolutely. And I had no idea what any of this shit meant. So I didn't write them into questions. And I thought, hey, how about this? I'll just take your notes and turn it into a lightning round. At the end of every episode... We do a lightning round, and we are dangerously close. I have to say that. It's like my catchphrase. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your notes. <clears throat> and, oh, well, the way the lightning round works is no time to think, no time to try and remember why you wrote these notes to me, but just gut reaction, spit it out. What the fuck is the answer, I guess. Ready? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, – and also none of these are questions, so I'm going to try and turn them into questions, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Um how do you feel about trichromosomal humunculus integration? I mean, when you do your uh, bichromosomal homunculuses at home, you know, and you always have probably wanted to, but didn't even really think about it in these terms, wanted to add a trichromosome to it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the methodology for doing that. Yeah, man, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel kind of dumb now, but I didn't even think about it that way. Uh, all right. Uh, demonic possession. Is it good? I mean, what if what if it's like a parasite host relationship that actually, you know, helps the afterlife stay in balance? You know, and I mean, if you just lend your body for a bit, you get it back. Usually everybody usually gets it back in all the stories I've seen. True. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm going to actually I'm going to like uh, branch off here and make my own question out of this uh, best movie about demonic possession. What is it? Man, I might still have to go with the exorcist on that. Man, the exorcist. Yeah, dude. I thought the exorcism of Emily Rose was the shit. I think we saw that in theaters uh, together. You know, I just felt like it had like one or two parts that were in the preview that were cool. It was one of those movies where like a lot of it felt like weird filler kind of like a soap opera that just threw in demonic possession with it you know it's a tough question because i feel like most people would go with yours but i never saw the exorcist when i was a kid or when i was young enough for it to be scary yeah so then i was just like oh this is like an old shitty really poorly done thing but i mean that's pissing people off too dude this is this is gonna be like i'm gonna lose listeners over this episode (laughs) (laughs) All all right Here's another question. Can you think of one more demonic possession movie? Because I can't. I'm evil Dead. Oh, dude. Then why the fuck did we both say that? That is the best one. <laughs> I I would say that it's not technically demonic possession. Like, Yeah, no. Demons possess. But it, his, but it is. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Evil Dead. Uh, I feel like there's more to it than that, though. It's not just 
I guess, yeah. I'd say that entire franchise. I'd say Evil Dead, uh, Army of Darkness, and the Netflix series that came out with uh, Evil Dead all uh, fall into the category of the best demonic possession shit you should Dead have. Alive is great, too. That's yeah, Dead Alive is dope, too. All right. Uh, here's a question that I don't know what the fuck it means. <clears throat> Space dust. What do you have to say about it? That's where we all came from, what we all are, what we all return to. Oh, we're all and space dust. Actually, a theory that I've had for a while, I just saw on the internet, so it must be true, um, that human memory is a result of like a, a thing that collided with Earth. Like our our ability to form memory was actually like an external factor to, I guess, biology itself. All right, so uh, you heard it here first. Space dust is what your memory is made out of? I mean, and it's, maybe. Or may, maybe not. You're still sorting that out, but I mean, we did come from <clears> space dust. There is the possibility that 2,000 years ago, the uh, Earth blew up and we've been living in a simulation the whole time? Yeah. That's a theory. I don't I feel like that much. I just, it, that reeks <laughs> to me of like people who've played too many video games kind of take. It always has. It's like, yeah. I mean, and also, like, what's the difference? Hey, here's another one. <clears throat> Duncan on FB. How do you feel about that? Oh, man. I mean, there's so much Duncan on FB that needs to be done. It's the it's the Lord's work. I've been <laughs> doing it. So, you know, sometimes you got to dunk on FB, man. I, I dunked on FB so fucking hard in this election. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, uh, Duncan on FB is when uh, assholes comment on and this could be any social media i think we we said fb but like literally i think everybody i perform great on any any social media platform with this particular uh skill set which is dunking on assholes that make a shithead comment on your post or fuck it their post and i post something and then they post back yeah <laughs> <laughs> just straight dunking across the board here and there oh man i, I got into this like uh like weird like a uh, vortex for a while where uh, and i got it from you because you did it first and i was like oh that's really funny where you started like pretending to be like a really really stupid like maga and you would just like post awful things but like you would post it in their things and then like full of emojis and it was awful oh no, yeah, yeah yeah i started doing that. i got kicked off twitter for a little bit for it <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on <clears throat> buffoons and yahoos are they good I mean, it kind of goes back to the question right before, because, I mean, they're there. We've all probably encountered them in one shape, form, or fashion at some point, and uh, they're the ones that need the Duncan. All right. Moving into the uh, final note you gave me, and I appreciate you giving me notes, man. Uh, nobody else has before. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, okay. I, I might even be able to turn this into a question. <clears throat> The note is shopping for quarantine. Uh, I'll make the question, what should you shop for for quarantine? Because I assume it will be coming back. I mean, everybody's so worried about toilet paper, but like you can't eat toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, you can. I, yeah, yeah, sure. You can't, you can't live on you know, eating toilet tell, paper. You can't tell me what I can eat. <laughs> Man, have you tried that perfume Charmin note? <laughs> you know my mom. <laughs> All right, man, but what should you buy? You should uh, not buy toilet paper. You should buy what? I think you should just keep doing what you've always been doing. I think that there's a lot of like fatalistic, like you've got to stock up. Like the culture of prepperism and shit like that in this country is 
it's just got every it, it's contributed to people just losing their minds and doing shit like buying all the toilet paper yeah dude. <laughs> or the gun shit man yeah yeah it's it's reactionary and i don't know go you know at least before elections maybe buy some canned food or something i was having some stupid ideas dude i was like uh gonna get a crossbow <laughs> like uh like daryl from walking dead i was like oh this will be a good purchase like those fucking things like if you want to get a good one they're really expensive i bet and i don't hunt like so i have no purpose for a crossbow other than in my imagination i was like well you know it's it's unlimited ammo (laughs) 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 and then i was like oh i saw what they cost i was like nah i like my money better than i like that that's the thing too is like once you like shoot a walmart person with a crossbow you don't want to go pull that crossbow out yeah. of them and reuse it <laughs> yeah call people walmart people dude <laughs> hey we all shop at walmart i was gonna buy my crossbow at walmart anyway so i'm a walmart person man <laughs> i'm lying i was gonna buy it at the, uh, oh, at the pawn shop i'm, so, I'm sorry target <laughs> yeah target very very uh <laughs> Good, uh, good catch there, man. All right, man. Now, I know for a fact people have learned so much from this conversation about photorealist painting. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, where can people, like, check you out, dude? Uh, not only, I mean, obviously not only are you a fantastic artist, but you are a web developer and you are a freelance dude, so you can be hired. Uh, yeah. Uh, where, people can, where can they get at you, man? Check out your work. Check out... Uh, uh, coffeemayart.com alright cool and there's like links to all your shit right there right yeah the website's going live this week so if you look at this before the 15th of November you might not see it alright well if you hear it then uh, hang in there 15th of November uh, you'll get to see all the art I'll post some shit I'll put some links it'll be dope coffee Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Absolutely, I saved you for lucky number 21, and uh, I'm glad you came. Well, thanks for having me.